Hello again, everyone. Welcome to The Mystic Show. My name is Chris Curran, and we do this show every day live, actually, at uh, 7 a.m. Eastern Time. That's New York City time. And um, it's on the Fractal Stream. That's the internet radio station we broadcast on. Um, the website for the show is themysticshow.net, and you can find all the information about the show there, as well as our phone number, our social media, pretty much everything you can find on our website. And uh, like I said, our phone number too. So if you're listening to this live and you want to give a call and ask a question, or maybe you have a comment, go ahead and uh, give us a call. I'll just give the number real quick, but since you're listening to internet radio or a podcast, you're already on the internet, so you could just go to the site and see the uh, phone number. But the phone number is 973-498-8033. And this is the show where we talk about spirituality, mindfulness, basically all the topics that we encounter on our spiritual journey. And that includes a lot of different topics, most of which is unseen and otherworldly, right? It's not, uh, it's not everyday life we're talking about here. <laughs> this is uh, spirituality in general. And by spirituality, we really don't mean anything to do with religion either. Uh, religion is good. Religion is something that helps a lot of people. Um, but at some point, a lot of folks, they want to go beyond religion. They want to go really into themselves. And they want to find out the truths of the the universe and of God. They want to experience it. They want to know it. They want to go beyond the rituals and the... Um, quote-unquote superstitions, and they want to live in the present, and they want a goal, spiritual goal that's inside themselves that they can access right now, as opposed to waiting until you die and hoping that you reach some place called heaven, which we really don't know anything about. So spirituality is that. Spirituality goes inside Religion looks outside. And of course, there are exceptions. I realize that. And we're not like religion bashing on this show. We don't do that. Everything has its place. Everything is good. We appreciate and respect everything. And there's plenty of religious shows out there that talk about the Bible and that talk about Hinduism and Islam and Judaism I mean, you could search on the internet, find all kinds of shows, podcasts, and everything, and that's great. This show is about pure and true spirituality. And of course, what goes along with true spirituality is meditation. Because as we know, you can read a lot of books about spiritual topics. 
You can talk to your friends and family about spiritual topics. But until you go inside yourself and learn to meditate and become familiarized with the inner universe inside your heart, until you do all that, you, you, you're not really experiencing spirituality. You're just talking about it. It would be like talking about chocolate ice cream all day long, every day, but never eating it. So, you know, the old saying, the proof of the pudding is in the tasting. So spirituality, if you want to taste it, we have to meditate. And of course, there's a lot of different systems of meditation. Um, I'm a part of one system, but there are many, many systems. A lot of them are good. Some of them are great. Some of them are not good at all. So it's up to you to kind of search out and seek which practice makes sense to you. And, um, and then jump right in. So that's kind of the first topic I wanted to talk about. Because as you know, I'm, uh, I volunteer a lot in the meditation practice that I do. And I help organize a local group here in northern New Jersey. And I, I interact with people who are doing the same practice all the time. And so I, I get to meet with a lot of these folks and I get to talk with them and I get to you know ask them how it's going and how they're doing and we meditate together and and you know there's some people who are practicing who are sincere they're they're putting their heart into it they are, they are on a true spiritual journey they really want to find out the truths of life or whatever there is to find out, right? We don't really know what there is to find out. When we meditate in a spiritual practice, we're moving into the unknown. So some people are sincerely looking for that. And they have an attitude of being a student. So they're open to learning. They're open to listening. And they're open to trying things and experiencing them. And they're also open to change when maybe they're not practicing correctly or they're not doing something properly. They're open to hearing a suggestion to maybe make a small change. You know, it's like if it's like if you were working out in a gym Let's say you're lifting some weights in a gym somewhere and you're doing it wrong and some instructor walks by and says, oh, you know what? If you just move your shoulder a little bit this way and pull up this way, that's a lot safer and also you'll build up your muscles quicker. You would say, oh, wow, thank you. Thanks for that tip. And you would do what they said and you'd probably immediately say, wow, that works really well. Thanks. But somehow on the spiritual path, when some instructor or teacher or someone comes by and says, hey, you know, you might, you might want to just tweak this here and maybe do that. That'll, that'll help a lot. Uh, 
there's this uh, backlash, this resistance, this resentment. How dare you even suggest I do anything different? You know? And the reason is, and, and this, this segment is, I'm going to call this segment, Stuck in a Rut. Stuck in a rut. Because some folks are stuck in a rut. And it's kind of like a catch-22. Because if you're not practicing correctly, you're not getting the benefits And if you're not getting the benefits, you're not feeling very well. You're not feeling good. You're not feeling light and clear. And when when you're not light and clear and you're carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders, you're not really inspired to meditate more or you're not really inspired to meditate properly. So it becomes this routine. It becomes this ritual. You know? It becomes religion-like. Where in a religion, most people, they just go to church or temple. And they just sit there and they, you know, try and think good thoughts. And they, you know, they feel guilty about their whole life. And, but they get some relief because there's some decent atmosphere there that they can feel. And then they leave, and that's it. Then they go back to their own lives. They do whatever they want. And then the next week, they go to the temple or go to the church again. And that's what they do. So a spiritual journey is much more than that. It's not just an hour a week where you're just going to go sit somewhere, right? I mean, if you're on a true spiritual journey, the way of the mystic, you're always learning You're practicing every day, a little bit. You're you're trying to be aware of what's going on. You're trying to accept the help that people are giving you. And it's basically a change in lifestyle, you know? And it's becoming someone new, someone better. So some people actually use a spiritual practice as a replacement for religion. Like instead of going to a temple or a church, they just go to some meditation practice and just sit there with their eyes closed and that not even meditate and that and that's it. And then when when they leave, they think, "Okay, this is good. I did what I'm supposed to do." And it's like checking an item off of a checklist. You know, and there's no heart in it. They're not putting any heart into it. They're not making the practice their own. They're not taking ownership of their own effort. Nothing. Just show up and close your eyes, and somehow some spiritual guru somewhere is going to take care of everything and make everything all right. And that's just a bunch of nonsense, period. And what's worse is when they don't practice properly, they feel guilty about it. And when they can't, you know, when when they don't give enough time to the practice, they feel guilty about it. 
And when they have to ask their or tell their family or ask their family that, hey, I need I'm going to go here and, and do some meditation, they feel guilty. So everything in the world they feel guilty about. They feel guilty because they didn't do the practice right. They feel guilty because they want to do it more. They feel guilty because they're, you know, they think they're burdening their own family. You know, they feel guilty if they're not keeping up with their culture and tradition. I mean, guilt, 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 all the way around. And, I mean, that's exactly the opposite of spirituality. Spirituality is about being light and clear and detached in attitude, detached, not really detached. We don't have to go run into the woods and live live in the jungle or something. So one of the main problems for, for folks who are kind of kidding themselves is that they've built so much so many activities and so many responsibilities into their lives. I mean, their schedules are just packed tight. And then they expect to fit in their spiritual practice for a very short time every week and maybe an even shorter time every day. And they do it kind of, you know, grudgingly. Oh, I have to dedicate time to this. All right, let me just get it done. So they stuff their lives full of all kinds of activities, most of which is nonsense. When you, if you were to, if you if you were to uh, evaluate it honestly, and then they squeeze in spirituality wherever they can find a small place, and that's it. And again, that's not spirituality either, because spirituality is a lifestyle. It's a mindset. It's a heart set. It's 24-7. I mean, is there ever a moment when God is not in your heart? Is God only in your heart for the one hour a week you go to the meditation? Is that the only time God's with you? The rest of the time he's nowhere? I mean, we know that's not true. So... What happens is, for for people who aren't sincere, it's the chicken and the egg syndrome. They're not putting in enough effort to see results. And because they don't see results, they don't see any reason to put in more effort. And then it goes around again. They don't put in enough effort, so there's no results. Then they don't see enough results, so hey, why put in the effort? So, you know... In a way, it all comes down to self-honesty. Why are you doing what you're doing? Is it because you're sincere and in your heart you really want to learn and grow and become a more spiritual person? Or is it because your culture taught you that you need to revere God or something and you just need to do something? And because going to, going to a temple might be even more of a time commitment. You just join some spiritual practice and you don't do anything and you just fake it. But you feel better because you showed up and, and you did what you're supposed to do, you think. So I think each of us has to be very honest with ourselves. What are we doing? 
Why are we doing it? What are we hoping to get from it? You know, I think everyone in, whether you're in a religion or or a spiritual practice, whatever you're doing, from time to time, it's very helpful to just step back and say, hey, what am I doing? Why am I doing it? Am I benefiting from it? Is it good what I'm doing? Is my heart in it? Am I sincere about this or am I just faking it? You know, because there's plenty of organizations out there where all the fakers can go and feel at home with each other. Plenty of organizations. But believe it or not, there are a few organizations where it, it's meant to be a real spiritual practice. I mean, if, if you're not becoming, by doing your own spiritual practice or, or part of whatever organization you're part of, if you are not becoming more subtle, more sensitive, more aware, more self-aware, and if you're not noticing changes in yourself, then you're not really doing a spiritual practice. Because true spirituality must lead us to become lighter and clearer and uninhibited by all this worldly junk around us. You can't claim to be doing a spiritual practice yet feel guilty about every single thing in your life. It doesn't go together. Those two things, they don't go together. You know, and, and then one of the other things that happens is people do a spiritual practice their own way instead of doing it the right way. So a lot of people have in their mind, oh, this is the way the practice should be done. I know. I just, I don't know. I just know. This is the way it should be done. This is the way I'm going to do it. And then they do it that way. But what happens is it's usually not the right way. I mean, 100% the right way. Some of it might be right. Some of it might be wrong. But the thing is, we need to do it the right way. We need to listen to the people who have gone before us and made claims that, hey, if you do this, you will reach your spiritual goal. We need to test the system by doing it properly, doing it correctly. And then seeing the results. But unfortunately, what do most people do? They do it their own way. They don't see results. And then they blame the system. And then, on top of all the guilt, the other guilt in their life, they feel guilty about that as well. So, a spiritual practice is not supposed to be a burden. It's not supposed to be this big chore that you hate. Or this thing when, you, when you're not able to do it, you just you're feel so guilty. It's not supposed to be that. And if people in such a spiritual organization are just going to not talk about this and pretend that everything is okay, that's even worse. That would be like you're the person in the gym the instructor walking by and sees you doing uh, 
sees you doing an exercise completely wrong and says, oh, good job, doing really good. And he just keeps walking. I mean, that's almost like criminal. That's unethical. Right? If you're doing it wrong and he says, oh, you're doing good. Looks good. Keep going. I mean, that's just unethical, period. So if you're in a spiritual practice and you know something isn't quite right, but yet everyone is pretending like everything is fine, that's a red flag right there. Red flag. So to finish this segment, I just want to say that, you know, as you can see, I'm working with a lot of people locally and we're helping each other on the spiritual path. And at times, at times it can be frustrating from, from, from my perspective because, because of everything I just said, because it becomes this uh, charade that we're playing. It's this false front of that, oh, we're all spiritual people. But yet almost no one is doing anything real. So I don't care how good the organization is, how good the system is, it comes down to each person. You know? I can put the greatest food in front of you on a table, but you're the one who has to eat it. And if you're not going to eat it, you can't complain that you're hungry or that you're malnutritioned and you're getting sick. You can't complain. Eat the food. You'll feel better. (laughs) My goodness. So my opportunity in all this, as someone who's involved with my own spiritual journey and and, uh, being sort of a resource for others, is that I have to develop patience and tolerance for everyone. Because even though people may not be practicing correctly, even though they might be finding it very difficult to to implement the spiritual practice in their life, I do believe that everyone is doing the best they can. And deep, deep down, people are sincere. I know that. And sometimes it just takes people more time. But sometimes we have to stand up and, and, and say, hey, you know, there has to be a wake-up call sometimes. We can't just sit by forever and watch people doing nothing and pretending like they're doing everything. So, so that's my opportunity. I have to be patient. I have to be tolerant. And I know that everyone that is involved in a spiritual practice is moving toward the right direction. I just encourage everyone to give yourself an honesty check you know give yourself a checkup from the neck up and ask yourself are you serious are you sincere is your heart in it and try to move towards the spiritual goal that we're all moving towards so we'll take a break this is the mystic show Do you? 
All right. Thank you to you two for that interlude song, Trying to Throw Your Arms Around the World. So welcome back to The Mystic Show. My name is Chris Curran. And this is the show where we talk about spirituality and our journey to our goal. And uh, you can call up and ask questions. You can send a note through the website. Uh, some of you listeners are have, have been sending in some notes and information. Like, uh, I think in the James Allen chapter yesterday, there was a mention of uh, some person. And uh, one of our listeners did a little research on the person and sent it in to me. So um, probably in a, within a show or two, I'll be, you know, I can mention that and describe who that person was and, and uh, fill in some of the details there. So our website is themysticshow.net, and um, and yeah, I hope I wasn't a little too much on my soapbox preachy in the last segment, but, you know, some things have to be said, and uh, some, pe- some people have to say them. So I happen to be that person at times who has to say things, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that because the people who are meant to hear it and take it the right way, they will. And the people who are not going to take it the right way, then they're not really even close to, <laughs> they're, they're not really listening at all anyway, so it doesn't really matter. So we're going to, for this segment, we're going to jump back into our book, Byways of Blessedness by James Allen. And we are actually on chapter 11, which is solitude. So this is chapter 11, solitude. Let's uh, let's start this chapter. And, and by the way, um, again, when we do the reading from the James Allen books, um, I encourage you to listen in a way that's very relaxed. And if you're home or if you're somewhere where you can almost close your eyes and almost meditate, but not really meditate because you're just going to be listening. Um, If you are able to do that, go ahead and do that. Obviously, if you're driving or walking or running or cooking, you you won't be able to do that. But of course, you can still listen. So let's do it. Chapter 11, Solitude, in the book Byways of Blessedness by James Allen. Man's essential being is inward, invisible, spiritual, and as such, it derives its life, strength, from within, not from without. Outward things are channels through which its energies are expended, but for renewal, it must fall back on the inward silence. In so far as man strives to drown this silence in the noisy pleasures of the senses and endeavors to live in the conflicts of outward things, just so much does he reap the experiences of pain and sorrow, which, becoming at last intolerable, 
drive him back to the feet of the inward comforter, to the shrine of the peaceful solitude within. As the body cannot thrive on empty husks, neither can the spirit be sustained on empty pleasures. If not regularly fed, the body loses its vitality and, pained with hunger and thirst, cries out for food and drink. It is the same with the spirit. It must be regularly nourished in solitude on pure and holy thoughts or it will lose its freshness and strength and will at last cry out in its painful and utter starvation. The yearning of an anguish-stricken soul for light and consolation is the cry of a spirit that is perishing of hunger and thirst. All pain and sorrow is spiritual starvation. And aspiration is the cry for food. It is the prodigal son who, perishing of hunger, turns his face longingly towards his father's home. The pure life of the spirit cannot be found, but is lost in the life of the senses. The lower desires are ever clamorous for more, and they afford no rest. The outward world of pleasure, personal contact, and noisy activities is a sphere of wear and tear which necessitates the counterbalancing effect of solitude. Just as the body requires rest for the recuperation of its forces, so the spirit requires solitude for the renewal of its energies. Solitude is as indispensable to man's spiritual wel welfare as sleep is to his bodily well-being. And pure thought or meditation which is evoked in solitude, is to the spirit what activity is to the body. As the body breaks down when deprived of needful rest and sleep, so do the spirits of men break down, being deprived of the necessary silence and solitude. Man as a spiritual being, cannot be maintained in strength, uprightness, and peace, except he periodically withdraw himself from the outer world of perishable things and reach inwardly toward the abiding and imperishable realities. The consolations of the creeds are derived 
from the solitude which those creeds enforce. The regular observance of the ceremonies of formal religion, attended as they are, with concentrated silence and freedom from worldly distractions, compels men to do unconsciously that which they have not yet learned to do consciously, namely, to concentrate the mind periodically on the inward silence and meditate, though very briefly, on high and holy things. The man who has not learned to control and purify his mind in seasons of chosen solitude, yet whose awakening aspirations grope for something higher and nobler than he yet possesses, feels the necessity for the aid of a ceremonial religion. But he who has taken himself in hand with a view to self-conquest, who withdraws into solitude in order to grapple with his lower nature and masterfully bend his mind in holy directions, requires no further aid from book or priest or church. The church does not exist for the pleasure of the saint, but for the elevation of the sinner. In solitude, a man gathers strength to meet the difficulties and temptations of life, knowledge to understand and conquer them, and wisdom to transcend them. As a building is preserved and sustained by virtue of the foundation which is hidden and unobserved, so a man is maintained perpetually in strength and peace by virtue of his lonely hour of intense thought which no eye beholds. It is in solitude only that a man can be truly revealed to himself, that he can come to understand his real nature with all its powers and possibilities. The voice of the Spirit is not heard in the hubbub of the world and amid the clamors of conflicting desires. There can be no spiritual growth without solitude. There are those who shrink from too close a scrutiny of themselves, who dread too complete a self-revelation, and who fear that solitude, which would leave them alone with their own thoughts and call up before their mental vision the wraith of their desires. And so they go where the din of pleasure is loudest, and where the reproving voice of truth is drowned. But he who loves truth, who desires and seeks wisdom, will be much alone, 
He will seek the fullest, clearest revelation of himself. Will avoid the haunts of frivolity and noise. And will go where the sweet, tender voice of the Spirit of Truth can speak with him and be heard. Men go after much company and seek out new excitements, but they are not acquainted with peace. In diverse paths of pleasure, they search for happiness, but they do not come to rest. Through diverse ways of laughter and feverish delirium, they wander after gladness and life. But their tears are many and grievous, and they do not escape death. Drifting upon the ocean of life in search of selfish indulgences, men are caught in its storms, and only after many tempests and much privation do they fly to the rock of refuge which rests in the deep silence of their own being. While a man is absorbed in outward activities, he is giving out his energies and is becoming spiritually weaker. And in order to retain his moral vigor, he must resort to solitary meditation. So needful is this that he who neglects it loses or does not attain the right knowledge of life, nor does he comprehend and overcome those most deeply rooted and subtlest of sins which appear like virtues deceiving the elect and to which all but the truly wise succumb. He who lives without ceasing in outward excitement lives most in disappointments and grief. Where the sounds of pleasure are greatest, heart emptiness is the keenest and deepest. He also, whose whole life, even if not one of lust for pleasure, is centered in outward works, who deals only with the changing panorama of visible things, never falling back in solitude upon the inner and invisible world of permanent being. Such a man does not attain knowledge and wisdom, but remains empty. He cannot aid the world cannot feed its aspirations, for he has no food to offer it, his spiritual store being empty. But he who courts solitude in order to search for the truth of things, who subdues his senses and makes quiet his desires, such a man is daily attaining knowledge and wisdom. He becomes filled with the spirit of truth. He can aid the world, 
for his spiritual store is full and is kept well replenished. Okay, so we'll stop there on chapter 11, Solitude, and uh, we'll take a quick break. Thanks to Bjork for the the song, which is called uh, Like Someone in Love. And welcome back to The Mystic Show. I'm Chris Curran, and we do the show live every weekday morning at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. And actually tomorrow, for those of you listening live, uh, tomorrow I'm going to start the show a little bit early uh, because I have to... I have to be somewhere at a certain time, but uh, I am going to play after I broadcast for one hour. I'll do um, 6.30 to 7.30, and at 7.30, I'm going to actually broadcast um, a piece of audio from 1959 by Earl Nightingale, and it's called The Strangest Secret, and it's just one of the greatest pieces of audio um, in this whole self-help industry ever it really is it's uh he earl nightingale is almost like one of the founding fathers of the whole personal development and self-help industry so so tomorrow after i jump off the air live i'll i'll just play that as well and and tune in tomorrow and and we'll talk about it then as well so our website is themysticshow.net and have you seen the website yet Okay. Um, yeah, check it out. There's all kinds of uh, stuff there, including the archive of all the past shows. So all the shows we've done so far are there, and it's pretty cool because you can go there and browse through topics and see which topics you want to hear about. Um, yeah, and we're also podcast on iTunes and Stitcher as well. So if you're if you're an iTunes person or a Stitcher person you can go ahead and favorite us on there and and download our podcast there. And on Twitter, we are the mystic show, or I should say at the mystic show. So follow us on Twitter and you can find everything at our website, including the phone number. You can give me a call here. If you're listening live, if you want to comment on some of these, uh, super controversial statements I'm making here. Yeah. Um, that's okay right? Hey, you put yourself out there, 
you put yourself out there. <laughs> so that's what it is. So this is um, great. I have a great topic I want to just talk about. I was wondering your opinion on it, and I want to talk about the will. The will. So everyone's familiar with this whole concept of willpower, right? And mostly I think willpower comes into the conversation when people are they're on a diet and they want to lose weight. And someone brings in a tray of cupcakes and they say, oh, I'm going to have to use my willpower to not eat one of these cupcakes, right? I Really, I think when it comes to dieting, that's like the main place that this whole concept of willpower comes in. Um, but we know that the will is one of our one of the faculties of our mind and it's actually the way that we really get anything done i mean everything we do in our lives we do it because we put our will behind it so our will is very important and our will can be very weak or it can be very strong and i also want to make the distinction that i'm not exactly talking about willpower in terms of what I just mentioned about, you know, when someone's on a diet and they don't want to eat cupcakes or donuts, they have to use their willpower. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about willpower in that context here. I'm talking about the will. I'm talking about your will. It's a faculty you have in your mind and you can use it to do anything. So what happens is you have thoughts, or anybody has thoughts, right? Human beings have thoughts, but I mean, how many times have you wished for a new car or, you know, wanted to go on vacation somewhere? And I mean, you think about it, but it never really happens, right? Just think of an example maybe in your own life. Well, if it never happens, the reason why is is because you didn't put your will behind the thought. So think think in terms of going on a vacation. Let's say you want to go to Hawaii. Or let's say since since we're on the topic this episode, let's say that part of your spiritual practice is to go to India once a year and spend a week with your spiritual guide. Right? Well, you can think about your spiritual guide all you want. You can think about India all you want. You can think about the ashram all you want, and nothing happens. But if you put your will behind it, then you find yourself looking up airline costs, and you find yourself registering to stay at the ashram, and you find yourself purchasing airline tickets, and you find yourself talking to your boss and saying, look, I'm going to be away this week or I'm, or I'm going to be away for three weeks. That's when you know you put your will behind it. So without the will, we can think and think and think, and that's fine, but nothing happens. So the power of will is in the mind, and it's it gives, basically it gives direction, it gives power to our thoughts. And there's actually a word, I think it's a Sanskrit word, it's called sankalpa. And sankalpa means 
having a thought and putting the will behind it. So it's different than just the plain old thought. A senkalpa is the thought with the will behind it. And it's interesting when you do this in your own life, you know, it really works. I mean, it's almost like your will your will is like a tool that you can use. And if you start using it, it'll get stronger. And then you can use it more and you can do more things with it. Uh what happens is if we don't use it, it gets weaker, right? So every morning that the alarm goes off and you want to sleep for 10 more minutes, 20 more minutes, another hour, if you keep pushing it off and pushing it off, your will gets a little weaker. And then the next morning, it's even harder to wake up on time, right? We've all experienced that, right? So, when we use it, it gets stronger. Now, the other thing about the will is that uh, my spiritual guide, my guru, says that doubt poisons the will. Doubt poisons the will. So, we can be developing our will, but if we have doubts, it literally um, it, it just negates the whole willpower pretty much so if you're thinking oh will i be able to get up on time oh i don't think i will i'm not sure probably not maybe i'm not sure i don't know i didn't get up on time yesterday so i i mean i don't know it's not likely but maybe i will i mean if you're that wishy-washy and you're that doubtful you can understand your will your will is not that powerful right so, not having doubts is, um, is a habit we need to get into. Some of us are in the habit of having doubts, right? Everything that comes up, any subject that comes up, yeah, I doubt it. No, probably not. Like, we're always ready to just doubt anything. And that becomes a habit. And even a lot of times you direct that outside yourself it becomes a habit. You start directing it inside yourself. You know, will I be able to earn enough money? I don't know. I don't know. Probably not. It's really hard. Unemployment's really high. I mean, you see how when you start doubting everything that you just become impotent, you know, there's no force. There's no vigor behind your, your will. You know, it's just not there. So developing our will is one of the most important things we can do on the spiritual path because we know how difficult the spiritual path is, right? It's not easy. <laughs> so we need, to use, we need to do things. We need to discipline ourselves. For instance, maybe you want to meditate every day. Well, that takes discipline. That takes will. So the will, once we de- as we develop it, because we're always developing it, right? It's never, never a finished thing. We're always either strengthening it or weakening it every day, every moment. Um, but if we keep strengthening it, it can be our greatest ally on our advancement on the spiritual path. 
And the other thing, the other thing about Will I wanted to mention was, um, you hear it a lot of times from from doctors and hospitals, like when someone is really really sick and they're they're literally about to die, and maybe their physical condition is so bad that they should die, but they just don't die. They just will not die, and like even the doctor says, oh, his there's there there must be some very strong will to live because this patient should have died, but, but he's still living, right? So even death, I mean, obviously we can't put off our death forever. I mean, we have to die sometime, but, but a strong will can even keep you alive. I mean, think about that. I mean, geez, we should meditate on that. Because that's that one's a little hard to comprehend. There's a deeper meaning there when it comes to the will, the will to live. Or the will to die. I'm sure it works the other way as well. Some people who, you know, they get a slight cold and all of a sudden they're they're dead. I mean, think about it happens with dogs, it happens with birds, it also happens with humans that when one when one of the mates dies, very soon after, the other one dies. I mean, is that coincidence or what? Or does the will have something to do with it? Some people can be a widow for 50 years. Other people, they're a widow for four months, and then they just die from something. There's I've, I know of a case in my own life where pretty much that's exactly what happened and it was it it seems kind of natural it seems like the natural flow but there's something going on there with the will and you know missing the other person and probably feeling guilty that you know you're still here but the other person is passed on type thing so the will to live i mean that's huge so one of the things in, in the Sahaj Marg practice that, that I'm a part of is we use our willpower in um, the cleaning process. We do meditation, but we also do this other thing called cleaning, which we kind of clean off all the, 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 uh, the impressions or the, the weight or the habits, all the junk we've accumulated, right, from all of our thoughts and actions. You, we can clean that off and be lighter and clearer, right? But that's an act of will that takes willpower. And we can develop that will. And we can even develop that will enough where maybe we don't take on new impressions. Maybe we can live in such a way where we stay in that divine consciousness all day, all night. The other thing about the will is it can actually work at night. Meaning, before you go to sleep, you can have a, th- a thought with the will behind it, which is a san- sankalpa. If you have that before you go to sleep, that you want to do something or get something done or, or feel better or release something from yourself and be lighter or whatever you, however you want to use your will, but your will can, be some, can become so strong and such a useful tool that it can actually work while you're sleeping. 
And this is one of the secrets of the great masters that they, they, they're working 24 seven, even if they're asleep, even if it seems like they're sitting around doing nothing. I mean, they're definitely doing something. I (laughs) promise you that. So the will is very important, and it's one of those topics that, again, it's usually only referred to when it comes to uh, not eating donuts when you're on a diet. Oh, I got to use my willpower, or my willpower failed me. No, your willpower never fails you. You fail your willpower. So if we, on our spiritual journey, the will is one of our greatest tools, and we can really make use of it, strengthen it and make use of it. So, so I hope some of those thoughts were helpful and, uh, that about wraps us up for today. So I want to thank you for listening. I think this has been a good show. And, um, again, you can send us a message through our website, themysticshow.net and kind of jump in the conversation. You can comment on some of the posts Anything, uh, you can send us a note through the Contact Us page, connect with us on social media. We really want to hear what what you're going through. What is your journey about? So feel free to contact us. And, and as you move through your day, maybe reflect on some of these ideas, some of these thoughts. Are you putting your full heart into what you're doing? Think about it. And as you're thinking about it, keep shining.